Well, if you want to turn to your, uh, uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 17, and we're going to be reading from verses uh, 1 through, I left my Bible on the back there, Pastor Jose, thank you. Um, John uh, chapter 17, I'm going to be reading from 1 through 19. Uh, so if you can turn there in your Bible or Bible app, that'd be great. Thank you. As you're turning there, I'm just going to want to set the stage for the, 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 the point or the tone of this message today. There was a recent article that came out in Christianity Today, and, and the statistics have kind of been out here for, for a couple years. But Christianity is on a very clear the pathway of decline in the United States of America. 2011, 75% of Americans had identified as Christian. It was even higher in 1990, up in the 90s, 90%. And as of 2021, the number shrunk to 63%, a 12% decrease over just the last decade. We reached a state where uh, churches close their doors every year. But we've reached a state where churches are closing their doors more than new churches are starting. Churches are closing down at a rate of 4,500 churches a year, at least. While only, on average, 3,000 new congregations are being started. There's a dramatic trend. Christianity is declining in America. These kinds of trends here, along with what I shared with you earlier, 42% of pastors are contemplating leaving the ministry. There's some, there's a profound dark work that's happening in our nation. And it can kind of leave us, especially if we're in these places where the churches are closing down, where things are growing smaller and not advancing. It can, we, as just as anything in life, when, when things get dark and our circumstances uh, suggest that it's a glim and hopeless future, we begin to think, how is this going to continue? How will the church continue? I mean, this, the, the numbers, the numbers are pretty grave. What hope is there for the church, for Christianity in America or at all? Today's passage, as we read in Jesus praying, we're going to see that the hope of the church, the future of the church, the sustainability of the church, by God's grace, doesn't depend on us. In fact, it's us that's causing much of the problem. But because of Jesus' prayer, the church has been preserved now and will be preserved until he returns. Let me just re-emphasize that point. Because of Jesus' prayer and prayers, the church has been preserved and will be preserved until he returns let's let's read from his word here john 17 1 through 19 it's a little bit longer but bear with me here when jesus had spoken these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all 
whom you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know the truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, and for they, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you had given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in truth truth let's pray holy spirit we we need your 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 work your special work to give us insight into the prayer your prayers jesus on our behalf lord god that we might this morning not not just understand what's going on here but god that there would be a special awareness of the efficacy uh, uh, of the sense of being carried along by a power that is not ours Because your prayers, Lord, are effective. Lord God, grant us just a special moment, a special awareness of, Lord, the sacred ground that we are on as we walk through your prayer, Jesus, on our behalf. In your name, amen. So as we come into this prayer here, as I mentioned Last week, we dived into the first part of the prayer. Jesus is praying for God's glory, that he would be faithful to go to the cross in order to be glorified, be restored to his full divine glory that he had before becoming a human being, being both God and man. And we saw last week, Jesus explaining and establishing that eternal life isn't a place it is a relationship, an eternal relationship with God himself where, where is pleasure and all good things come in relationship with him. To hear more about that, I encourage you to check out last week's message. 
Jesus continues in his prayer. In, 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 the, in, the, in this totality of this prayer, he prays for God to be glorified. He prays for the early church. Today's prayer's focus is on the disciples, the early church. And then he focuses on us. He prays for those who would, who would believe through them. That's us today. Jesus' prayers, interestingly enough, aren't about himself or for himself or to benefit himself. But for, again, for God's glory and for our benefit. Now, as I mentioned here, as we jump into verses 6 through 10, these verses are explaining who Jesus is praying for, those God has given him. These verses are getting at these first disciples who, who followed Jesus, who responded to his word and received Jesus. You can go back to the previous slide. Who responded to his word. And, and received him and trusted that he is God himself and, and the full source of all truth. So Jesus is praying for them and he clarifies this. These are the ones I am praying for, not in verse 9. He gets then into the content of the prayers here in, in verse 11. Now what's important to take note of and the significance of Jesus praying. These are some things to just let's sink in here. Jesus' prayer here that's recorded for us to reread over and over isn't just effective at that one time back in the day. Oftentimes we can think of like those, our prayers, when we prayed they were answered, they were effective for a limited amount of time. We kind of think along those lines. I prayed that one time, and so it was answered. i got to keep praying, if you will. There's something unique about Jesus' prayer in that it is an ongoing prayer, and it's ongoing effectiveness. And it's unique in its power. Jesus explained earlier, several weeks back, we talked about the instructions Jesus said, Ask in my name, and it will be given to you. Whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. We talked about how asking in the name of Jesus means coming under his authority and asking according to his will and his purposes. Well, what do we know about Jesus? He's God. He knows the very heart of God. He's not praying something that might happen, that he hopes to happen, that maybe is the will of God. He prays the will of God. And what does that mean if Jesus prays the will of God? It will be answered. In fact, it has been answered. This is powerful, and we can't lose sight as we just read passages like this and Jesus' prayers, and, and that was nice, it sounds good, it's encouraging, and we move on. It was good for some time, but now it's lost its efficacy, it's lost its significance. No! The only reason why Grace Community Church here exists, the only reason why you and I have faith, why we are continuing to grow as a church and expand the kingdom and spread the gospel, is because of the efficacy of Jesus' prayers. This is no small thing. Jesus praying these prayers also, as we walk through them, is because he knows the vulnerabilities that we have as his people and his church. He knows the people he's saved and he's loved and, and are part of his kingdom already. He knows our brokenness. He knows our frailty. He knows our weaknesses. And so he preemptively 
lays the groundwork for his success, for his glory, for the kingdom's glory, for the spread of the gospel, for our success and faithfulness. And so I, I, we're going to focus and lean in here on these, these three main prayers that he prays here. And to just take note of these things and, and, and what they mean for us here today. And this passage is long, but I'm just trying to give some of the highlight on the big points here. So I, as we begin, as we've mentioned, verses 6 through 10 gets into who is he praying for? The, it was the early church, the first disciples. And then in verse 11... He gets into the specifics, the content of that prayer. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus' prayer here, keep them in your name, means, means keep them under your authority. Again, that whole concept of name in this time and historically meant authority. It meant power, meant character. And so for, for, for God, for Jesus, he's praying, God, keep them under your authority that they might be faithful in following you, but also keep them consistent with your character. That others might know your reputation. You see, we want, other, we want the world to know the name of Jesus, meaning we want them to know the reputation of Jesus, meaning that we must then represent that reputation with the same character of God himself. In these chapters here of John chapter 13 through, through 16 here, previously we, Jesus showed us God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. They exist eternally in love and unity. So that character that Jesus is praying that we would be one, just like the Father, Son, and Spirit exists in perpetual love and unity from eternity past forever. That we might share in that. That joy, that love might happen here. To testify to the world. that This is the source of truth. This is the source of life. Keep them in your name. That they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus knows we are prone to continue to establish our authority and not God's. Right? That's the fundamental problem that we have as human beings is I want my way. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. I want the right to determine what the rules are, what's good, what's right, wrong. Uh, I want control. That's, that's sin in us. He knows that when he saves us, when, oh, those of us who've experienced Jesus' forgiveness and living inside of us, we know that, that sin hasn't gone away. We still struggle, Right? Every day I'm working to take captive my thoughts, whether it's from pride or worry or lust or whatever it may be. There's, there's temptations all the time and my heart, I need Jesus. It wasn't a one-time thing, it's an everyday thing. We're prone to wander, as the great hymn says. 
Not only that, but we're prone to conflict. We're prone to fight against each other. And to tear this beautiful thing of God's family and community apart. You know that today there are 45,000 different denominations around the world. 45,000 different groups with different doctrine and theological perspective and approach. And unfortunately, not all of these are faithful to the word of God. But this represents our tendency from the beginning. There was one church. And as history has moved forward, we have fractured. Our tendency. In our self-centeredness and our pride is to divide. But even in the midst of all of this fracturing Even in the midst of our sinfulness and brokenness, friends, Jesus' prayer is effective. And he keeps us. The church continues still today. The gospel is still maintained today. Even though there may be differences. Even beyond the differences, God is working in unity. effectiveness despite our failings jesus continues in his prayers so we jump down to to verse 14 he speaks of giving them his word and the word the world has hated them because of it you see when we believe the truth of god which is that there is a god it ain't us jesus is that same god The physical revelation of God. There is only one source of truth. That truth acknowledges that we are broken and sinful. And we deserve judgment. But that God. Who has the right to judge us. Loves us. And he's the source of salvation. He wants to bring us back into relationship with him. And to restore us. This truth. Isn't popular. That there is one source. And that we need to be changed and redeemed. That we can't be trusted. As a source of truth. That we are weak and needy. And broken. This is not a popular message. This this word that Jesus has given his disciples. Which comes to us today. It creates with an an adversarial relationship persecution but jesus what does he say in the midst of this hostility he says i don't ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one now think about that jesus is saying don't take them out of the frying pan don't remove them from from the attack and the difficulties that are going to come in this life well why would he do that For the same reason that Jesus came, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him, that he might have eternal life. You see, we are to continue that work. God came towards us. 
so that we might know and be saved. That's an expression of love. God sends the church out to the rest of the world so the world will know because God loves the world. He doesn't want the rest of the world to go to hell. Even though in our hearts we're, we're, we're headed there We're hell-bent on having our own way. Jesus keeps us in the world. We stay in the world so the world will know. So, the, the, so that others might come to know salvation and their God, their creator. So he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. But instead, as we're in the midst of the fire, protect them. Jesus knows that just as he was attacked, we will be attacked from the evil one. Jesus prays knowing that as the evil one uh, 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 seeks to influence us by, by, by assault, by, by uh, uh, painful opposition, it's also by alluring us with enticements and attractions. One of the greatest dangers for the church in America today is self-sufficiency. You see, in America, we have such prosperity that we don't believe, we don't have to believe there is a God. You see, as many of the, the, the philosophers and psychologists of the past said that, that, that religion is the opiate of the masses. It's merely a psychological crutch for the weak. Coming from a place of prosperity, we assume we got ourselves here And we're entitled to what we have. And therefore we are strong in and of ourselves and we don't need sustaining. We don't don't see that what, what we do have was given to us and it's grace and we're being sustained. I think one of the graces that was given to us, even though it sucked bad, was the pandemic. The pandemic reminded us we're not exempt from anywhere in the world of having our control, our comfort stripped from us. It forced us in a very uncomfortable way to realize everything we have can be taken away from us. We're not entitled to anything. We are desperate for the protection and preserving of God himself. We saw an ugliness come out of us in that season. Because of our idols, these things that we worship of our comfort, our control. But there's other things that that the enemy uses. He seeks to just numb us. With, with, With access to constant entertainment. I mean, our technology is absolutely amazing. But friends, we are more entertained now than ever. And what it does, like a drug, like a narcotic, we are just numb. We're drawn in to live in the moment, to live in our pleasure. The enemy knows he's crafty. He's seeking to distract us from what is what is truly gives us life and what our purpose is. And all of these many enticements as well as the attack that is happening on the church in truth 
even now, all these things are to, to try to derail us and get us to drift from Jesus and from the mission of advancing the kingdom. But God, Jesus, knowing our vulnerability, prays for us. You see, we've been preserved even through this time. We're going to get through this time. The gospel is going to continue to advance, friends, because it ain't up to us. We respond. We are the vessels. But God continues to to accomplish his purposes in spite of us. And that's good news. And finally, Jesus prays. 16 and 17, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What he means here, sanctify, this is, uh, comes from the word holy. If I could make holy a verb, to holify. He's holifying. He's praying that we would be holy. What he's talking about, this word holy means set apart. All right, where we're sifted out from, a, from another group. So there's the world, and then there is God's people. They're to be set apart. What is that? What, what is the means for that? The truth, the word of truth. The word of truth is Jesus himself, that we, again, we're broken. He is God. He's the means of salvation. We have to come through Jesus. We need forgiveness, but we need to be led by a Lord our God, and we need to return in submission to God through Jesus Christ. We need Him to be authority, the exclusive source of who God is and who we are. So, by sanctifying us, it sets us apart from the world. There's one true God and one source of truth. That truth then prunes us, it changes us. You can't help but follow Jesus being in his word and it not prune us and expose things in our lives, affections and desires that we have that where we set good things above God and replace him, whether it's our jobs or relationships. The comforts and pleasures of this life. The word prunes us. Our selfishness, our pride, gossip, our little indulgences of lust and coveting. The scriptures prune us. Jesus prunes us. Not because, oh, those are bad and get rid of those. It's it's because they're toxic and he's making us alive. There's evidences of death in us and he's bringing new life to us. As a result, this, this, this sanctifying, this pruning is a, is a transforming us and, 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 and taking us away from the effects of the world. You see, the world, being this place where sin rules, is seeking to continue to conform us, seeking to continue to influence us and mold us back in to this sense of God is the enemy. There is no God except yourself. You are the source of truth. So Paul prays or Paul instructs us in Romans 12. He says, don't be conformed to the ways of the world, 
Because that's what this world is seeking to do. It's seeking to shape us and mold us. And we see it through the, the news and Facebook and the algorithms and, and all these other methods around us. Education, uh, various different sources. There are, there are messages, philosophies, strategies at work, friends, to mold us and shape us. Do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we can test and approve, so we can know the difference between what's from the world and what is truth. So you can test and approve of what is God's will that is so good, it's perfect and pleasing. Friends, we've got to be renewing our minds. Jesus prays on our behalf for our faithfulness for our, the purity of the gospel and God's truth, so that as you sent me into the world, I have sent them. It's not just for us that we would just be our own little Christian club doing our Christian thing separate from the world. No, we are to be in the world and we're on mission. We're to advance the kingdom. It's not merely like don't, don't we just don't want to be we don't want to be conformed we, we we want to protect ourselves from the influence heck no it's we're going to advance into the world and we're going to take back surrendered ground for the sake of Jesus amen Jesus explains In Matthew 16 Jesus asks his disciples who do you say I am Peter, being the extrovert, speaks before he thinks. Any extroverts in the house? Anybody do that? Ever speak before you think? Yeah, right here. Do it. Thank God for examples like Peter. Jesus says, who do you, who do you think I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's the truth. That's the truth that Jesus is talking about. Jesus answered, and blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In this passage, sometimes historically it's been misunderstood that this rock that he's talking about is Peter himself, which that's what was used to establish the, the, the role of Pope in the Catholic Church. But the rock that Jesus is talking about here is the truth That I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. It's on that truth. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Friends, that's good news. Oftentimes, some of us, when we've heard these verses, the gates of hell will not prevail. means it's this defensive posture that, oh, we're going to hold back the world. And it's not going to wake its way in. And we're not going to be overcome. That's not what this word means. This word means that the gospel is going to advance. And the kingdom of this world can't keep the gospel from advancing. Again, that's good news. Because it's not up to us. That's good news because God is preserving his church. God has built this church. And God will make sure that it continues to spread until he comes. Jesus' prayer, friends, is powerful. It's effective. Not just them, but it's at work in us today. We are here. You are here in this 
worship center. You are online watching and worshiping. We are together because of the effectiveness of Jesus' ongoing work in preserving us. Preserving his church. It's got us here. And it will keep going. You know, I mentioned that the United States is on decline. And that can look glim and, 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 and bleak. But you know what? The, the, there's so much more in the world than the United States. Amen? In fact, the gospel continues to grow. In fact, globally, the gospel, it, it, it continues to advance all throughout the world. It's advancing rapidly in Africa and Asia right now. Though it may be in decline in the United States, it is not stopping. And it is wildfire through the world. You see, Christianity started with a couple hundred people in an upper room 2,000 years ago. And it is the largest religion in the entire world. Do you know why? Because it's not up to us. Because it's the truth. And the God of this truth is doing the work. Friends, as we ask the question going forward today, what do I do with this? What does this even mean for me? How do I even apply this to myself? I want you to ask yourself these two questions. In response to Jesus' prayer and understanding, are you part of the answer? Or are you part of the problem and the reason for him to pray? Are you part of the answer? You're responding. You're letting him change you and work in you. You're part of, 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 of building a loving community. and Being on mission for the kingdom of God. Are, are you part of him answering the prayer of the spirit of God? You're responding and obeying. Are you part of the God answering that prayer of Jesus? Or are you stuck in your self-centeredness? And you're complaining And you're focused on things, how things aren't going your way and, and how you don't like things. And, and you're holding yourself back because unless things go this certain way, well, and this person hurt me or offended me, or I'm not going to help. I'm not going to be part of this. Or, I'm going to hold back. Examine your hearts, friends. There's an amazing thing, so much bigger than you and I, going on here. The salvation of the world. And we are part of it. Let's join in the party. Amen? All right, I'm going to have the worship team come on down here. Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your prayer. Knowing our vulnerability, knowing our weaknesses. God, we thank you that we can rest as that we get discouraged in these seasons and times, fearing, Lord God, how will the church, how will the church remain steadfast? How will the gospel continue forward? Your prayer isn't a reason for us to not do anything. is isn't a reason for, well, God's going to accomplish his purpose. Your prayer was to be accomplished through us. When I pray here at Grace Community Church, Jesus, let your prayer be fulfilled. Your will be done. Your kingdom come here at Grace. Here in, in these hearts, Lord God. That the world may know that we are part of this great work. That on the rock of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
You are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Praise you, Father. In your name, amen.